Welcome to the Spirituality for Normal People podcast. Of course, there aren't really any normal people, but every person has a spirituality, whether plumbers or politicians, firefighters or farmers, entrepreneurs or entertainers. I'm Matthew Bruff, pastor and author, bringing you tips, guidance, and practical advice for how to live out and keep the life in your relationship with God. You can find show notes, books, and more at spiritualityfornormalpeople.com. This is episode 30 of the podcast. Thanks for listening today. I'm so glad you decided to download this episode with Caitlin Curtis. You are going to love this interview. I just loved talking to Caitlin. Um, She is just wonderful to speak to and just has this joy about her. And uh, yeah, it's just a great interview. So I know you're going to love it. I'm not going to give you a preview on what our interview is about. You can just keep listening. Um, and I just know you're going to you're gonna love uh, what we talk about. Um, I do want to uh, say a couple of things today, uh, just really quick. We talk a lot on this podcast, obviously, about spirituality. And lots of times we mention... Uh, Canada, the United States. I'm in Canada. I talk to lots of people who are in the United States. Most of the listeners are in the United States uh, and Canada. Um, But I I looked the other day at where people are listening from, and I was blown away. There are so many different countries, uh, definitely the United Kingdom. Um, But if you are listening from uh, somewhere else in the world. Thank you so much. I just think that's so amazing that this is going out. Um, there were listeners from the Federated States of Micronesia. So if you're listening from there, hi, thanks for listening. Uh, thanks for listening from Sweden, from Kenya, Malawi, uh, all different places around the world. Uh, so it's so cool that uh, that you're tuning in today. Um, I would love it if you uh, even just sent me an email just to say hi, If especially if you're from somewhere else in the world and there's been a guest on here that you found helpful. I love to hear from people who are listening to the podcast. So you can always email me simply by uh, sending an email to matt at mattbruff.com and that'll get to me. Um, so that's, uh, I would love to hear from you for sure. The other thing you can do if you want to support this podcast, I would appreciate that so much. You can go to my Patreon page. If you just go to today's, uh, episode, you can find links to that. So spiritualityfornormalpeople.com slash Caitlin. And that first name, her first name is spelt K-A-I-T-L-Y-N. So if you head there, you'll find links to iTunes to be able to leave a review, which would mean a ton to me. I noticed there's a couple of new reviews on the Canadian iTunes store, um, but some on other iTunes stores would be great. Hint, hint, the United States, where most of the listeners are. You can also support the show, like I said, through Patreon, and there's a link at the bottom of most of the newest episode show notes that just says help support this podcast. If you head there, uh, you can support the podcast financially for very little. 
um, and some of them will get you free books. So if you want to do that, that would be great. All right. You are going to love this. Like I said, this is my interview with Caitlin Curtis. I'm really happy to welcome Caitlin Curtis to the podcast today. Welcome, Caitlin. Thank you. Uh, Caitlin, uh, I kind of want to just dive into a bunch of stuff. We could talk, we'll maybe probably just talk about like where you're from and, and, and your life and that kind of stuff. But I also want to just tell our listeners that you have a book coming out and that they should get it. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, your book is called glory happening, finding the divine in everyday places, which, uh, when I knew that was the title of your book, I really wanted to have you on the show, um, because this is just about spirituality for normal people or everyday people. Um, and, uh, and so I think that might fit really well. Um, but I wonder if you could just sort of say just a little bit about what the book's about and maybe just about you too. Yeah. Um, so the book, uh, was kind of born through almost a series of journal entries. It was kind of, um, this point in my life where I just wanted to, um, I found myself just sitting still more often and, and taking in the world around me. And so I just kind of started writing about those moments. Um, we have two little boys. Um, they are four and six and we have a Husky and we were living, my husband uh, here in Atlanta is getting his PhD. And so we moved here and we were living in this tiny two bedroom apartment and, um, all, all of us just kind of crammed into that little space together. And I just, uh, started noticing that I was having these moments where I just was sitting and taking in beauty around me. Um, which is hard to do if you're in a space that's really crowded or stressful, you know? Um, and so, I was like, what is the glory of God? Cause that was something that's like a phrase I grew up hearing, you know, the glory of God in the church. And I looked it up and I wanted to know if it had a different meaning. And the, the definition of the word glory was something extremely beautiful. And so I was like, well, that happens every day around me. And so maybe the glory of God is a lot more minuscule than we act like it is. Maybe it's little tiny things too. And so I just started you know, writing this series of stories. And then I ended up with 50 of them. And so they're just 50 stories from my life and 50 prayers. So I've, I've written a prayer, kind of a poem prayer that goes with each story as well. So that's cool. And I, I've read a little bit of it. So there's a, there's a sample on your website people can read. So I went and kind of read some of that, read the intro and some of part one. And I know, like you're saying, it's just 50 stories, but like the writing is really beautiful and incredible. Um, so I think people would really love to read these. Um, and I just like, I just want to read, I don't want to spend some of the time in the interview today, just reading a couple of snippets and just getting kind of what you think, you know, or what was going on in that, in that, uh, little passage. Um, so right in the intro, you say, this is a book of stories and prayers of everyday experiences in everyday spaces. What we choose to see is holy ground for our feet, solace for our tired and often wandering souls, no matter how, every day. We choose to stop and take in glory. We choose a different reality. Um, so I want to ask you, what is, what is the different reality? So if, you, if glory, is glory just beauty or is there something else? What is the different reality and how is, and how is it different than, than what I guess we might expect? Or yeah. Um, I think, um, you know, over the past few years, the whole like minimalist idea has become really popular again, you know, like 
getting rid of your stuff and, you know, living a simpler life and all those things. And people talking about like, um, giving your kids less toys so that they're not so overwhelmed. And I think there is something that is true about, um, simplicity and about when you actually choose to slow down and stop that somehow, and I don't even know how it works, but somehow life can become, um, more beautifully complex in, in those moments, like, um, stopping and just like staring at a plant for a while and just drinking your coffee slowly, reading a book outside. There's something about those moments or like stopping and being present to other people. Um, I don't know. I just realized that that, that seems like, so like, duh, you know, like, of course you do those things, but it really is hard. And in American culture, we're just so busy and going all the time that I realized that 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 was just so stressful for our family and we really wanted something different and I wanted something different um because I've always grown up that way and I just came to this point where I needed a different reality and um and that that's been you know part of it is that I'm Native American so I think that that is something that's embedded in me that I was longing for and didn't know how to get to it but it's also I think embedded in everybody this a need for simplicity you know yeah and i think we'll do that like i think sometimes when people hear oh stop and look at a plant or a flower they're kind of thinking like really like Mm -hmm. what um but but i think we naturally do that with certain things so you see a rainbow yeah and a really beautiful sky or a sunset or sunrise uh, or you know my family and i went to niagara falls and when it's something that's, I guess, spectacular, we do stop and wonder at it, but, um, and we have a sense that there's something greater, something more. Right. Um, and, and we're okay with that, but, you know, stopping for a plant or a flower for some yeah. reason, that seems weird. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Just yeah. uh, maybe we should stop more. Maybe that's, you're here to remind us of that. Um, <laughs> and I'm wondering like, how do we, like, then how do we do that? And maybe why is the stop part important? Yeah. Um, one thing that, that helped me, which I don't write about this in the book, but, uh, last year I started getting at like four o'clock every day, my body started getting really tired. And I thought that I was like anemic or something. And, and I was like, why am I so tired? And I went to the doctor and I like, was like, something's wrong. And I realized that my body was telling me that it was just too much. My body was saying, you need to stop now. Like every day you need to stop at a certain time, take a little mini Sabbath for an hour or two and, um, and let your body recuperate from all the things that you're processing. And, um, and I think that we all do that. I think that, you know, I work from home, I write from home and I stay home with my boys. And so that's my, my world, but someone who works in an office every day or someone who commutes to work every day or whatever it is, like we are all processing so many things and, I do think that our bodies and our souls are asking us to stop more often and it's hard. I mean, it's really hard to do that. Um, especially if you're someone who doesn't like sitting still and I'm, and I don't always like sitting still. So actually forcing myself um, to do that has, has helped me also in just my health in general um, and in every aspect of that. And I think that, that while it is hard, I think literally just stopping and sitting still can change a lot of things for us. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. I, 
I'm a big believer in napping too. I'll just confess that. Yeah. Like I, I feel guilty almost when I say it out loud, but yeah. uh, um, I will, I'll do that, but I'm up early and then, um, and, uh, and then I often have evening commitments. Right. So, you know, taking a break in the middle of the day, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm thankful because I can do that. Right. Um, as a pastor, I can, you know, there's, I have a flexible day, yeah. Uh, most of the time, but also there are lots of busy days. Um, and I've also had to learn about sort of rhythms throughout the year. Like there are busy times, uh, naturally, right. like I know in my part of the world, um, in Canadian, uh, culture, uh, once we hit, uh, the end of May, there's just less going on in the life of the church. Yeah. People want to go, people want to enjoy the outdoors because it's summer and they've had a long winter and we don't see them. And so I've had to learn that, you know, that's okay. Like, it's okay for me to have a, you know, a, a, a time where I'm resting like a longer time, even if I'm at work, I can actually enjoy that time as well. And I know there's going to be busy times. Like as soon as fall hits, it gets a lot busier. Um, so just to kind of realize that, oh, there's this rhythm to seasons as well as to days and weeks, um, and just being okay with that. Like I used to feel really bad. Oh, I'm not really doing a lot of work in July. Right. Well, neither is anybody else. You know, (laughs) you know, some people are working really hard, but they're also, you know, on the weekends, they're heading out to the lake or or whatever and and just enjoying uh, the summer. So maybe I should do some of that too. Right. Yeah. And we tend to judge each other on that. Like, And I've noticed that in America, at least that if, if you're not producing or working a certain kind of way or a certain number of really long hours, then you're, people say you're lazy or you're not being productive. And I think that that, um, that can be so, um, backwards to what we need sometimes, you know, people do, I think we produce better when we're able to rest and actually take care of ourselves. Um, and that may mean that our work actually is going outside for a while or, you know, going on a vacation may actually need to be the work that we need, you know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, no. And that's kind of what I want to talk about next anyway, because you wrote, uh, actually it's in your book. This is, this is on your website, on your about page, which just talks about you having two growing boys and a big Husky who need the outdoors. Um, and then you say, and we need it too, for those moments when we seem to think we've lost God or forgotten how to be human. I, well, that's a really good sentence. Um, those tall treed wildernesses away always seem to bring us back to each other. Um, that's a great statement. Why do we need the outdoors? Yeah. Um, I, I was at a retreat with, uh, Richard Aurora recently and, and he was, um, talking about how he and other people have written that like the first kind of, um, lesson that we learn from God is through the, through nature, you know, that's kind of like, hmm. I don't know if he called it like the first Bible or like the first way that we really learn about God is through this created world that we have. And, um, and I have two little boys who just are naturally like drawn to the outdoors, you know, but we have a lot of areas in Georgia that you can hike and um, go to rivers. And we, I'm glad that we have that around here. So they're able to do that. But when we go, I just notice how alive everyone becomes. And, um, you know, with, we also live around a lot of native American sites, you know, historic sites. And so for us, it has another meaning, another layer to it because we, 
we know that the places where we're at hold meaning to us and that we can honor the people who, who lived there, you know, and, and knowing that those trees that are there have been there for a long time and, you know, have seen the things that have, that have happened. And, um, I don't know, just the history that's embedded into the world, I think connects us to God in a way that things are alive and we can, we can learn from them, you know? Yeah. Like I talked, I've talked a lot or posted things about uh, prayer walking as well. And, um, you know, my favorite place to do that that's close to home is there's a, there's a forest um, called the Assiniboine Forest, and it's the largest urban forest in Canada. Um, and it's about a five oh, minute drive awesome. from my house. Um, so sometimes I will walk there, but then that's kind of the whole walk. So it's an hour <laughs> to, <laughs> to walk, but, um, but uh, I'll, I'll drive and then go for a walk in the, in the forest and, um, and just pray there. Or sometimes my wife and I'll go for walks together. And, um, through there. And there's just something about, about going there and being outside. And I never used to put much stock in that. Um, like I used to go walking or jogging, um, at a, at a track that was very kind of concrete and it was just, there's lots of cement around (laughs) and, uh, and okay, that was good. You know, it kept me healthy, I suppose. Um, but this is so much better. And I had lived close by, like I've lived in Winnipeg almost my whole life and lived close by to this forest for, um, like driven past it so many times. And it's really only in the last two years that I've started going there. And I was thinking, okay, what am I going to do for winter activity? You know, I, I was always wanting to go cross country skiing, but it's a lot of work. Like it's a, like you need, you need a chunk of time to do it. So I decided, well, maybe I'll just go and try trudging through the forest. And I go there and they plow all the trails for you. Like it's no issue walking there in the winter. And I haven't yeah. known that I've lived five minutes away yeah. for the last five years and just never gone there in the winter. Awesome. Think, Oh, this is no problem at all. Like I can walk, dress properly yeah. and walk. It's, you know, minus right. 40. <laughs> okay. Oh you know, we'll just, uh, we'll just go for a walk. Maybe not quite that cold, but, um, <laughs> but, uh, it does get that cold. You just don't, you don't go for a walk when it's that cold. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, and just, I don't know what was holding me back from doing that. And just the life that comes from being outside, there's something going on there that you are connecting to the actual things that God has created. It's uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if there's, if you have more to, you probably have tons more to say about that. Um, But you've also mentioned your, your native American as well a couple of times. And I would love to hear a little bit about uh, your journey and I'm going to read another passage and, and just ask that people, you know, they, they can indulge us, you know, hearing your words because they're, they're so good. Um, you talk in, in your book a little bit about um, different writers that you encountered along your journey. One of them was Barbara Brown Taylor, um, who I think is a, a really great writer. Um, and, uh, and so there's a, there's a passage here where you're talking about her words um, God shows up in the whirlwinds, Barbara would whisper, in the starry skies, burning bushes, and perfect strangers. When people want to know more about God, the Son of God tells them to pay attention to the lilies of the field and the birds of the air, to women needing bread and workers lining up for their pay. And the more I read, the more I read Barbara's words, the more they became the soft spoken words of my own heart 
the journey I'd started in 2014 when we moved to sunny Georgia and the journey I began in order to learn more about my Native American heritage. Um, so that's just kind of like this teaser that there's some journey there um, that you've been on. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about that, where God's been showing up and and what you maybe didn't know about your Native American heritage yeah. and, and sort of what you began to learn and how that's informed your faith. Yeah. Um, so there's actually a lot that I didn't know. Um, I grew up, so I, um, I'm Potawatomi citizen band and, um, you of course have heard of the Ojibwa tribe. So Potawatomi and Ojibwa are sort of, in my mind, they're like sister tribes. So we were, we were all together in the Great Lakes region. And then when the trail of death happened, some went to Canada and some went down into Oklahoma, Kansas. So I'm the Oklahoma band. So, um, we're an Anishinaabe tribe. And, um, and so, um, I grew up. So you're our people, like we know Anishinaabe. Yeah. Yeah. And so when I speak, you know, when I, I'm learning the Potawatomi language and I have an Ojibwa friend. So when she Mm. speaks Ojibwa, it made me really excited because they're, they're the same. They're just different dialects, you know? Okay, cool. Um, so yeah. So, um, my my father worked for the Bureau of Indian Affairs, which in the U.S. was police officers um, hired by the federal government to basically police other natives or to police wow. it within the tribes. And so I was born in Oklahoma, uh, and we moved back and forth from Oklahoma to New Mexico various times, and he would work with Native um, people in all those places. And so I grew up around other Natives, but, like, we didn't practice a lot culturally. We went to powwows and things like that, but I, I never really like understood that, that it was my culture and my people. And I just didn't quite catch that, I guess, even though I was in it, you know? And, um, when I was like nine, we moved to Missouri, which is in the Midwest is a very, you know, mostly white, small town America. Um, and that's where we, we moved. And then my parents got divorced. And so, kind of the things that had begun maybe taking root in me, it was just kind of severed for a little while. Um, I think from the trauma of that. And, and then, um, uh, we were, we've always been Baptist. So we always went to, you know, the, we were always in the church. Um, but that kind of, uh, became more of a comfort place for me was the church and pretty conservative Baptist church in Missouri. And so, um, I just kind of dove into that. So, kind of lived a white life, you know, as a, as a white young Baptist woman and didn't really uh, realize or pay attention to my native identity. And then about, um, well, in, in 2014, like I wrote about in the book, um, we were here in Georgia and we were hiking in a native site. Like I was talking about one of those places and we were out hiking and my um, one-year-old son was hungry and I needed to breastfeed him. But we could, we were walking, like we were hiking. And so I was like, I don't know, you know, where to go or (laughs) what to do. And so I just like turned him and just fed him while we walked. And, um, it was kind of like, God just like stopped me and said, this is what your ancestors did on the trail of death. Like these, you're the women in your family, they walked and they fed their babies and they couldn't stop for anything because that was what they had to do. And so it was kind of like, I was just told who I was um, and just looking at my boys and knowing that I wanted them to know who they were and I want to know more about my culture. And so it just kind of flipped on a switch and um, it hasn't turned off. And so I've just started 
um, getting connected with my tribe, learning our language, trying to do that with my boys, um, trying to learn our stories, our cultural stories and, or just Anishinaabe stories in general, you know, um, trying to go to events, go to powwows and, um, you know, and along with that has been, I'm, I am a Christian too. So how do those things go together in my life and how does, um, the many ways that those things have conflicted in America, how do I, how do I have those conversations with the church or with native people about how they work inside of me, you know, and, um, inside of my boys. And so, yeah, so it's been a very emotional and wonderful journey. Um, and, and so on my blog, that's kind of what I write about more and more is just processing, you know, reading the Bible through a different lens as a native person and not just as a white person. Like, how does that change the way I view who Jesus is? And it's just kind of uprooted everything. And I'm, I'm kind of, you know, <laughs> packaging it back together and trying to figure out what that looks like. Right. So you, you mentioned, you've mentioned the trail of death. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, twice. I don't know if I'm familiar with that term. I probably should be. Yeah. The, so the trail of tears is the, the bigger, like the Cherokee and, um, that trail, the trail of death is the Potawatomi trail. And it's, it, it was much smaller because it was, it was my tribe. And that was basically just the, the push from the Great Lakes region down when we were removed from the, the Great Lakes area. So it was our tribe specific walk or march. And so, um, it took us like, there's a Kansas band and the Oklahoma band is mine. Um, and then there's still some Potawatomi in like Indiana and some other States. So, so at that point it was just how we were separated and moved out is called the trail of death. Okay. And there may be differences, like maybe I should know that term, but there might be differences between Canada and the U S in terms of how that's we true. speak. Yeah. About, right. Um, and I've so, been trying to learn all that too. And it's yeah. <laughs> so much and fascinating and, you know, but yeah, I'm, I'm interested to learn more about how that's all connected. Okay. Um, and then I, I kind of want to go back to as well, uh, just how you're putting things back together. I mean, people can go read your blog, but you can, you maybe give us a little bit about, um, like, how do you see, uh, your Christian faith and, uh, and your native background, um, you know, how do, how do those go together? Like how, how does learning Anishinaabe stories, yeah. how does that connect to the Bible and how does that connect to your faith? Yeah. Well, it's been really um, interesting to learn like the Potawatomi creation story and then kind of like putting it up beside, you know, the Bible stories that I learned when I was young and, um, or like just reading like um, Jesus when he was in the wilderness, like that story about when he went to the wilderness and he was tempted by the devil. Mm -hmm. And I always thought that that was such a negative, horrible story. And all of a sudden I thought maybe it's not so horrible. And like, maybe the wilderness was where Jesus learned who he is. And it's kind of like our, um, like the vision quest that you go on and you, you go out to the woods and you learn who you are and you fast and you pray and, and you're told who you are. And I was like, what if that's what Jesus is doing? And yeah, it was hard and it was really difficult, but, you know, just kind of seeing things, um, not in the traditional American lens that, that I was taught, you know, how to view everything and how to view Jesus as a white man, you know, he wasn't a white man. Um, and 
and just how to, you know, to restructure those things. So, so yeah, learning the actual Bible stories differently has been, um, really interesting and, um, you know, reading from people like Randy Woodley and, um, just kind of other people who are also Christian natives and kind of seeing how they make that work. Um, in me, it is, it's greatly enhanced my faith and, and it's made it difficult. I know that the church, you know, um, atrocities that have been done to native people were often done in Jesus name and in God's name. Um, and, but mostly I've just found that there's just a lot of silence. And so, what I want is just to begin the conversations again, because they just don't seem to be happening very much, especially in the church. And so, you know, if I teach a class on the medicine wheel, or if I just have a small gathering at a table and just talk, you know, I think people just, we have to begin with conversations and, or storytelling or whatever it is that can draw people in, you know? And I think that's, that's my goal is through my writing and through storytelling that I allow people to come to the table you know, what what do you say to folks? And I've kind of asked this question before on the podcast, um, with, uh, uh, Margaret Mullen that I had on, who's, um, a Presbyterian minister in Winnipeg, um, and works, she's native and works amongst, uh, um, indigenous people here. Um, what do you say to folks in the church who just, well, like, I don't really know any native people, so it doesn't really matter. Like, (laughs) um well what i say <laughs> i don't know if you've encountered that maybe because they've um, met you i haven't been in person yet but yeah. well that's that's what's been strange is that people who know me they already know me and then when they find out i'm native like they either are just like okay well that's caitlin or they're a little freaked out by it maybe or they just don't really know what to do with me sometimes hmm. um yeah i don't know i don't know yet um, I've seen that, you know, some online and, you know, Twitter conversations or things like that, but like, that's something that I'm trying to figure out how I would approach that. And thankfully so far, the, some of the conversations I've had have been more positive where they're saying, I want to hear from you because no one's talking about this, but, but I don't know. Um, yeah, I think like, I know in Canada, there's a big uh, push, like our, um, you know, there's, there's been resolutions about, um, you know, making sure that proper history is told in yeah. taught in schools. Um, yeah. and, uh, because I know, like I went to school here and never learned yep. anything really, um, about, uh, even recent history. Like I, you know, obviously we were taught, okay, there were people here before the European settlers got here, you know, but then yeah. everything else was just about then what happened. Um, right. Leaving out any, uh, any genocide and leaving out any, <laughs> any problems um, right. and leaving out like residential schools in Canada. And there were, I'm sure there were residential schools yeah. in the U S mm-hmm. um, just leaving that out. So all of that is kind of, is being rewritten back into school curriculums yeah. in Canada um, and just, you know, uh, our first nations population is, is a large percentage or a larger percentage of the population here. Um, so maybe that's why it's starting to be talked about more, but, I, but I kind of think, you know, if this land was your land before anyone else got here, you know, maybe that should be talked about <laughs> and, yeah. um, and acknowledged and celebrated, yeah. um, 
But yeah, how to do that in the church as well, where sometimes the church doesn't even necessarily value um, land or ancestors. Like it's very much right. You can't even begin there. Focused, right? Yeah, um, which is strange because it's kind of all over the Old Testament, especially like mm-hmm. the land is kind of a central promise. Yeah, yeah, and it's so, so it's hard to even start start with that if if you have people who don't understand why you would honor the earth or care about, yeah, the land, like, um, and people, it definitely makes people uncomfortable. And when people are uncomfortable, they're scared to talk about those things, you know? So I come from it. I come at it from an approach of not wanting to, I don't want to make people feel guilty right away. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to spew a bunch of history onto them and then say, now what are you going to do about your ancestors? You know, like, I don't want to do that to people. I want to approach it differently. And so I'm hoping that by doing that, people won't feel threatened and that they'll be able to enter in, you know, yeah, willingly it, or at least, you know, learn. Yeah. My sense from your writing, it, the, from what I've read anyway, um, is you're trying to, you're trying to bear witness to, to your own life and, and show like, you know, it's not all roses, but to show positively you know, here, here's what my journey has been. And, and then maybe people can enter into that and, you know, see something of their own journey as well. Uh, that's, that's my sense is that, is that you're trying to kind of bear witness to, to what you've seen and experienced and do that in a, in a really beautiful way. So, yeah, I, I really like that approach too. Um, okay. There's a couple more quotes, maybe one more. Um, you were, yeah, there was, there's a, there's a passage that you have in the intro when you're doing the dishes <laughs> and, uh, and observing glory <laughs> and kingdom while you're doing dishes, um, which I really, really liked because that's not what I'm doing when I'm doing the dishes. Uh, so, <laughs> but, uh, where anyway, you, while you're doing the dishes, you, you, are saying this in your book, I recall why exactly I get to stand on holy ground and call myself blessed in a tiny space, which you talked about before, with a busy schedule and two toddlers running around me day and night. So I don't know, like, I don't want listeners to miss this. You're doing the dishes and this is when you recall that you get to stand on holy ground and call yourself blessed in the middle of all this, this tiny space, busy schedule, two toddlers running around you all the time. And, um, why, why do you get to call yourself blessed? Uh, or how do you remember to do that in the middle of what sounds like chaos or also just kind of either, I, I guess it's kind of just normal life. Like I think everybody's kind of dealing with sort of chaotic, normal life. Um, but but what what prompts you to stop and and say wow yeah this is yeah i'm blessed i don't know why it's while i'm doing the dishes but that's often <laughs> the place and now we don't we don't have a dishwasher in the our current house and so we have like you're just i'm doing the dishes all the time but there's something therapeutic about it and i don't you know it's not that i love doing them but like it's one of those acts where you have to stop and do it it's kind of like laundry or other chores where your mind can be focused on something else while you're doing the work of your hands or, or cooking or whatever it is that I think everybody has some 
chore or something you have to do where your mind can roam while you're doing it. Um, and so doing the dishes is just that place for me. And I think that one aspect of all of this is, is being rooted in gratitude. Um, I read a lot of, of that in these books that I began reading. And when I was writing this, this book is just reading from people who were rooted in being grateful and how that can, that can shift your perspective. And also the other thing is just because we live in such a chaotic world and because that can make us so tired for me, like being tethered to tiny moments every day literally helps me stay sane because I get really overwhelmed really quickly when I'm on Twitter for very long and I see the news or, you know, if I'm piling up my to-do list, like it, it can overwhelm me pretty quickly to where, to where I just have to say, okay, like we're going to go outside for a little while, or we're going to go do something else right now, or we're going to color in a coloring book or whatever it is that I do with my kids, or I'm going to do the dishes now. Um, and it forces you to stop again and, and be able to say like, am I grateful right now for this? Even for the chaos, like what are the things I'm grateful for? And to be able to kind of count, counting your blessings or like, you know, being able to say those things in your head and know that, that in that moment, things are all right or almost all right or what, or they're horrible and you can be honest about that. But even, even being honest about things being horrible is still the glory of God because you're, you're still connecting to that reality and you're being honest, you know? And I think that that's just as valuable. Yeah. Do you have certain things that you, that you do like besides the dishes um, that, uh, that, uh, I mean, you talk about taking in glory, I guess, to help you take in glory or I say, you know, connecting with God or, or whatever yeah. it is. Um, but are, are there other things like, are there other things that you do that you're intentional about? Um, that's one thing that, so recently when I was at this retreat with Richard Rohr, he was like teaching us how to to meditate or, or to be, so we had to spend like 20 minutes in silence in the mornings. And that was so hard for me. Um, not cause I felt bad that my mind was roaming, but just because I, I just wasn't sure how to do it. And so I can do it in snippets, but I'm not always good at doing it for long amounts of time. Um, but like, um, I burn sage. So burning sage and sweet grass is something that has really helped. Um, if I am stressed to just calm, calm things down and Mm -hmm. to have that be part of my prayer, that kind of ceremony. Um, and that connects me to my native culture and to my faith, um, having those things come together for me, um, forcing myself to just sit with my boys and do what they're doing instead of the adult things that I'm doing, you know, um, which is really hard, but, but it's just better most of the time because they're able to just, you're just spending time together, you know, Um, we have a yard with a lot of flowers and we have tons of bumblebees right now. And so, um, I literally will go outside sometimes and just watch the bumblebees for like five minutes and then go back inside. And sometimes that's enough. Like that's, that's all I need. Um, but practicing, yeah, finding a practice has been really hard for me, like a specific one that besides doing the dishes, I guess, but, um, finding that thing that brings me back. That's, um, a longer amount of time that is, that I've become obedient to doing that, you know, consistently, that's been really hard for me to find that one thing. 
that's actually kind of good to hear um <laughs> that uh I, I think lots of people have trouble with yeah the, with a single consistent thing um and you know there are those there are those really fantastic people who have a consistent practice and then write about it and share it with everyone so that we can you know try that on for six weeks and go oh <laughs> and okay good. um and then and then we'll move on to whatever the next thing yeah. is going to be uh but because i because i find that too like i've got some anchor things that i'll come back to when i just feel like oh like things have right. not like just things haven't been working mm-hmm. like and i've kind of been in that mode lately and so this morning i finally said okay yeah, i need to go back to the psalms because that's where i go when yeah. I feel like I haven't really been on track. And so this morning went back and, and started reading the Psalms again. Um, you know, and, and, and it doesn't make anything feel like it's back on track, like instantly, like you just got to trust that you got to enter back in. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm glad to hear you say that, you know, silence is hard. And I think there's listeners out there too, who like, I hear from people, Oh, I can't like, I can't do that silence think like I can't sit in silence like I so I'm just not going to do it um so I don't know I maybe maybe people should be challenged to to yeah I don't I don't know like what's your sense of that like I I would love to hear your your experience with silence actually even with in the middle of struggling with it um I um yeah I I really love music so um so I process a lot through music. So silence can be, um, kind of tricky. Um, but when, when like things are, when everything's turned off, it's funny because it's not really silent. Like the things that I hear are my dog or birds or, you know, all the things that are going on outside. So, um, and actually those like sounds are comforting too. Um, and so, I can, I'm really good at distracting myself from silence, but when I finally get to it, it's so nice and it's so refreshing even for five minutes, but mm-hmm. right. It's just so hard but to get there. And I, I think it's okay for, for people like, I don't know what people are expecting. If, like sometimes like, yeah. I know it can be hard to sit and be still and be silent, but I, like for me, I feel like it's okay if your mind wanders. Like, I don't oh, yeah, know what Richard Rohr's teaching no. was. No, he said train, that. But. He was like, let your mind, yeah, (laughs) like you'll come back around eventually or you'll realize the things you're constantly focused on and maybe that'll tell you the truth about yourself. But I think a lot of the time we are scared to know the truth. And I think sometimes we're scared to look in that mirror of ourselves and, and to know that it doesn't have to be scary and that the truth doesn't mean that we're bad or that we're, you know, I just think people are scared to, to know that sometimes or scared of what Mm -hmm. they'll find. So, okay. What's one, what's one of your, I'm just going to change topic completely. What's one of your favorite uh, stories from the book? Oh, um, uh, one of, one of my favorites was, um, a day that I, um, I was out riding and I decided to go to a, there's a park near us that has a cemetery Mm-hmm. And I decided to take a book and go to this, it's a walking cemetery, so you can walk through it. And I decided to just go um, and read there. So I just went for maybe 30 or 45 minutes and I just took a blanket and I just sat there and read and, um, and just, you know, every now and then looked around at all the, the 
grave sites around me and just thinking about the people that once lived there. And obviously I'm thinking a lot about my own ancestors lately and about what land means and, and history and the people who used to live in this place. But just wondering, you know, what is the legacy that we leave when we're gone? And just thinking about um, the journey that we take and the bigger picture of it, you know? Um, mm. And so then I wrote, I wrote about that story and it was really fun to write it as well. A lot of these stories were really fun to write because I was just reflect, you know, it's kind of memoir. So I just got to reflect on these moments and then write what they meant to me, you know, and what they might mean to someone else um, who has a similar experience. Mm-hmm. So. That's cool. Um, well, I, I'm going to recommend the book having read the, the, <laughs> because it, it, the big thing for me is the writing is so good and um, like, it's just, it's easy to read and it's beautiful to read. Uh, and just having met you now and talked to you and just knowing that uh, uh, kind of what kinds of things you're reflecting about, it just, I, I think it'll be a really good book. When does it come out? Um, November 7th is the release date. So awesome. yeah. And it's on pre-order now. So it is, okay. you can find it on Amazon. Yeah. And what's the best place for people to find you online? Um, you can find me at caitlincurtis.com or I have a Patheos page too. So if you go to um, Patheos Progressive Christian, you can find me there. And that's a lot of where I write right now. So you can kind of read some of the stuff and get a feel for my writing. Okay. That's great. Thanks so much for being on the podcast. Yeah. Thank you. I hope you found today's episode helpful. Don't forget to check out the show notes at spiritualityfornormalpeople.com. There you can sign up to get the free short guide called Six Tips to Get Consistent in Connecting with God. And when you do that, you'll also get the latest updates and news from the blog, plus book announcements and anything else I may be working on. So head over to spiritualityfornormalpeople.com and sign up. Thanks for listening today and take care.